Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's up, everybody? It's another episode of Andor TV Talk. I'm Bo, and we got another episode of Andor. We are on episode four, and much like I speculated last week, uh, a lot of what we've seen thus far has been the fringes, like the very fringes of a rebellion, the very fringes of the empire, the the tip of the spear, I think, was, uh, was referenced in the episode. And I think that we're seeing kind of the thrust, so to speak. We're actually getting into the nitty gritty. Uh, Let's actually start off with our villains here because we get a chance to see not just the Imperials, but the ISB. We're going deep into the ISB. This has been a section of the Empire that, especially in kind of like expanded uh, media and just as they've really kind of played around in this era of Star Wars, this has been a a, a specific area of focus. And there's good reason for it. You know, we've got uh, uh, characters from the Clone Wars would go on to become members of the ISB. I'm thinking specifically of Colonel Yularen, who was the, I believe it was an admiral at the time that Anakin reported to, or that reported to Anakin. It was never quite clear what, you know, what the, the ranking system was there. But regardless, he was the one, he was the admiral of, of the 501st, which was, of course, Anakin's first, which would become Vader's first in the future. And from his time in the Clone Wars, he goes on to become an ISB agent. And then, you know, as the Empire is rising up, he is part of this uh, kind of elite group, right? They're the security bureau, but, but beyond that, they're almost like detectives within the Empire. They're kind of hunting out dissension and also kind of investigating different systems. And Yularen is always really a fascinating character. I know he wasn't in this episode, but whenever I see the ISB, he's kind of one of the first characters that comes to mind because we see him not just in the Clone Wars, not just in kind of the birth of the Empire, but we fast forward, we actually see him in A New Hope. He's a character that spans all eras of Star Wars, uh, or at least, you know, uh, pre-sequel you know sequel trilogy. And so that ISB connection is, is very fascinating. There's another reason why the ISB connection is very fascinating, and that is because there is another character who is often connected with the ISB who has been referenced before. One might even uh, expect him to potentially make an appearance in this series, and that is Grand Admiral Thrawn. So Grand Admiral Thrawn, in all of the media that we've seen post-Disney acquisition, the ISB has in some way been connected with him. He's had either contacts there, he's been training with them, like one way or the other, if Thrawn is involved, the ISB is involved. And so I've got to wonder if what we're seeing in this series is perhaps perhaps the establishment, maybe a tease, something related to an early Thrawn coming into the Empire at this phase. Like, like this is when he's kind of rising to prominence, if I'm not mistaken. Or I could be wrong. Depending on where this takes place, especially as it relates to Rebels, it's possible that Thrawn is actually no longer here, that him and Ezra are off in the uncharted space area place. So I don't know. I, it just depends on where this series like falls in the timeline. All right, that's. I'm, I know I'm kind of starting off here with wild speculation, but you know, I, it's just an area that I think is very interesting, and I'm, I'm curious to see how it plays out. So let's actually talk about 
about our characters, right? Like we've got, uh, so Cassian, he has been pulled by this dude who's basically Bruce Wayne. Uh, Skarsgård is basically Bruce Wayne. He's got like this whole Coruscant persona where he's like, hey, I'm a collector and I sell stuff. And I'm like, you know, a, a philanthropist and, you know, billionaire playboy guy. But in reality, he goes off and he's like, oh, I'm Skarsgård and I'm going and I'm getting the rebels. It's interesting seeing how this is all playing playing together, right? Like in any kind of like effective resistance and any kind of effective rebellion, you have to have multiple people playing at different areas of the systems in which they're trying to take down. It can't just be everyone outside the walls that are throwing rocks. Like you need to have funding from inside the system that's actually going to fuel the tearing down of said system. I mean, we see this in a lot of different areas, right? Like this is a lot of kind of life reflecting art and art reflecting life. But regardless, we see that Skarsgård is kind of, you know, he's been this socialite perhaps, or, or maybe he's like weaseled his way into social, like this, this space. We see he also has a kyber crystal, which does make you kind of wonder whether or not he himself was a Jedi or somebody very close to him was a Jedi. I think it was Rogue One that first explored this notion that post, like after leaving the Order or after being on the run, the Jedi may have removed the crystals from their lightsabers and hang them around a neck, uh, hang them around their neck. So they're still maintaining their faith, so to speak, and they still have kind of this symbol of their faith, but it's it's tucked away, it's hidden for their own protection, uh, and yet still kind of cling to as kind of this this personal item that does connect them with what what they had before and and what their you know beliefs are. I think that's a really interesting uh, an interesting thing, and I'm wondering. If it, in fact, given especially his age, Skarsgård might have been part of the Jedi Order back in the day. I don't know. It'll be it'll be interesting the more that we kind of uncover who he is. But basically, he goes to this rebel cell uh, that's out on this planet that's trying to get these payrolls for this Imperial garrison. And it's it's interesting because like the stakes just kind of like this deal is getting worse all the time, right? Like you know for for Andor, he's like constantly finding new information out about what he's doing, and you find out that he's not alone. Everybody that's involved is very much much kept in the dark about what they're involved with. And beyond that, it's also interesting that they're all constantly lying to each other. We are seeing a couple of things happen here. For one thing, they're spies, right? Like this is the the section of the rebellion that we really only got like a taste of in Rogue One. And now we're kind of diving a little bit further into it. So this is kind of this this spy network and kind of this undercover network and the kind of the darker areas of the alliance. But beyond that, there's also this element of because they are a rebellion, because there is this resistance, you're seeing that structurally they are protected by not knowing everything that's going on. They're also vulnerable for that reason. So that'd be interesting to see how that may play in actually to this as well. And we, we see that vote, those vulnerabilities coming to the surface and the fears surrounding that because they don't, oh, I, this is the first time I've seen this person and we're about to do this very dangerous thing. But at the same time, that's part of how they're able to survive. If they're captured, anything they know about their comrades, they, they, they can't give up the information. They, they don't know anything. So it's fascinating to see this this area, like this specific rebel cell and kind of what Skarsgård's doing here and how it all, all plays together. We get a name drop for Saul Guerrera, who of course is another uh, rebel leader of another rebel cell known to be kind of more fanatical. I'm kind of curious to see when he shows up. I do believe he has, you know, popped up in some of the promotional materials. So looking forward to seeing how he plays in. Mon Mothma on the scene, talking about all the different kind of roles in which people are playing in this rebellion, still a senator. Very excited to see her rise to prominence in the Alliance, are really kind 
kind of being, I don't know if it's like going to be that she's the one that rallies all these cells together or if, you know, we're going to see that the kind of the, the network needs a figurehead and so she gets kind of deputized to be that figurehead. There's a couple of ways they could go with her character. So I'm really, I'm excited to see that. And then, of course, we do have our uh, little uh, imperial uh, wannabe dude kid thing. Uh, so, yeah, he his his whole security job got botched. He went home. He cried to his mama. <laughs> this, this dude. This dude. I love this. I love how, like, terribly lame this character is. Like, like just how, like, you know, I'm going to go home to my mom and I'm going to get on the forums and tell everybody with the Empire is so much better, you guys. Like, I, I love I love this character. This is great. This is this is so, so much fun. So, yeah. So, so we got him. He's, he's going to go home to his mom and he's going to cry. And uh, I will say that I did really like when, you know, the uh, the ISB officer goes into their security office and basically is like, yeah, you know what? We're not doing this security stuff anymore. You Like, now it's us. Like, congratulations. The Empire is taking over everything. And it kind of panned to his face. And you could almost see the slightest hint of a smirk, right? He's not happy he's in trouble. But, like, the Empire taking over... Yeah, that's um, that's like a like like a dream come true for him. So you know, I don't know if he's all that disappointed when it all comes down to it. But I know that he wants to be part of it, right? Like he wants to be part of their world. So we'll see, we'll see what happens. Overall, though, I am still loving this series. I did feel like that that there was kind of that repetitive pattern of like, who's this? I don't know. You didn't tell me. I've got to trust you, but I don't want to trust you, and you shouldn't trust me. And like like this, the same conversation I felt like was had by like six characters back to back to back to back. So that was a little bit repetitive, honestly. But there was so much more going on in the episode that it kept me going, kept me kind of interested. And beyond that, I have a feeling this is one of those episodes that if you pause and really kind of spend some time, especially once you're in like the like Skarsgård's collection room, his little museum thing, I bet there is so much in there that is a nod to this, that, or the other. One final thing I want to say, I want to circle back to the Thrawn deal because it does seem in this Disney Plus series that they are really kind of introducing this concept of Thrawn as the quote-unquote Thanos, if you will, for this series. But here's the thing. Thrawn is a character that does take place over multiple eras, and we do have multiple eras represented, right? Like the Ahsoka series is going to be taking place long after this series. And what we've seen from, for example, Obi-Wan takes place before this series. There's just a lot going on across a timeline. And so if they're going to use Thrawn as kind of like this this kind of key that ties everything together, I'm curious if A, they're not going to do that and it'll just be, you know, one or two series like The Mandalorian and I guess perhaps Boba Fett if they go back there, but they're probably not going to go back for Boba Fett. But The Mandalorian and Ahsoka are going to really focus on Thrawn or if we are going to see something like you know, the world between worlds, which is kind of Star Wars version of time travel, if that's going to come in where you know, perhaps Thrawn is trying to, like, that's the thing that he wants. He wants to get at the world between worlds so he can remake uh, essentially himself to be the empire of, like, you know, the emperor of, like, a new empire or something of that nature. Who knows? In which case, all of these different heroes have to enter into the world between worlds to face him. I don't know. I'm just I'm just throwing out some concepts, throwing out some thoughts. We'll see what ends up happening. Lots going on, y'all. Lots going on. Y'all, y'all see that Deadpool teaser? Yeah, we gotta, we're going to talk about that. Me and Bella are going to get together on a mic pretty soon to talk about that. Because that's that's just, that, yeah, mm-hmm. there's a lot going on. A lot going on. Anyway, excited for everything that's happening here in Andor as well. And I uh, want to hear your thoughts. Use the hashtag Andor TV Talk to let us know what you think. That's going to do it for me for today. But don't worry. I'll be back in a flash. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. 
Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.